0: and we're live welcome back everybody to another episode of the wheelie podcast this is the first episode of 2023 so we are very excited i'm joined again by electric seth weintraub how's it going seth good awesome and we have a bunch of new stories to start off the year just a uh, little preview of some of the things we're going to be talking about we've got several new e-bikes that have launched as well as a new e-trike from electric e-bikes Uh, Honda has some new electric mopeds, though they're not quite what we were expecting from the company. We're going to look at some fast electric skateboards, some electric motorcycles that are missing the center of their wheels. Uh, Another country is giving out free electric motorcycles, and there are some interesting electric boats and a little bit of travel talk as well. So where are we going to start off this week, Seth?
1: All right, starting things off, RCA. RCA. Yes, the VCR brand just unveiled a 34 mile per hour electric bike.
0: Yeah, so uh, RCA um, actually, Seth, maybe you can give us a little background here because this is not the the same RCA that we know and love from our childhood VCRs and radios, right? Well, it uh, it's
1: the same brand, uh, and I think that brand was sold through like a bankruptcy auction to uh, a company that. Uh, You know, iconic brands and matches them with, uh, you know, up and coming companies that are building things that, you know, maybe not in this case, but like, in in typically are related to uh, what the brand produces. So like, for instance, you see Kodak, you know, instant cameras out there, and it's not the same Kodak that went bankrupt a while back. Um, So the Kodak brand was sold at auction a Chinese company or brand management company picked it up and they're selling cameras under that brand now um that doesn't mean this is a you know a bad bike or a good bike it just means that you know people will recognize the name and i have to say like you know as we move forward on this RCA is a much better brand for the layperson than a lot of the brands we see like with names that just don't make any sense um you know, one that comes to mind is Engwe. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce that, but like, you know, we, we, we deal with a lot of Chinese brands, uh, you know, Asian brands that don't really sound like anything. So at least this is something that, you know, people can attach to something and, you know, the, the logo looks familiar. So that's the good part. Tell, tell us about the bike though.
0: Right. Absolutely. So these bikes, uh, they are RCA branded and there's actually three new electric bicycles here. Um, two of them are what we generally consider to be electric bikes. One is a folding fat tire bike. The other is more of an urban style uh, commuter bike, but the third, and that's the one that really interests us, is almost like a Surron style uh, off-road trail bike, though it does still have pedals. So theoretically this would be a you know conventional street legal electric bike except that it kind of exceeds those street legal limits by just a little bit. For example, the uh, motor is rated at 1,000 watts continuous and a peak power of 1,250 watts, which is a bit higher than that 750-watt limit that we know and love in the U.S. And the bike gets up to around 34 miles an hour when it's unlocked, though it can still um, you know, be locked into a Class 2 or Class 3 speed of more like 20 or 28. So a very interesting full-suspension e-bike there. Um, but even the, the new commuter bike and the folding fat tire bike are still interesting additions to the market here. And, you know, again, they come from this this brand that a lot of us, you know, know and remember from all of the electronics that we used to buy. So it's it's interesting to see this applied here. And just like Seth said, you know, this is not exactly the same company that, that went bankrupt a few years ago, but it is the same brand. And it's, you know, uh, a company that a lot of us have, have grown to trust over the years. So to see that name applied to a product like this, as opposed to some of these sort of no name fly by night companies, might give people uh, a little more ease at making a big purchase like this. Unfortunately, we don't know the prices yet. So it's hard to say, you know, are we going to see a, a higher price here because you're paying for the label, like on a lot of these licensing deals, or are these going to be competitive with like the Anguays or the Hay bikes or even like, you know, lower end and Cheer bikes? It's, it's hard to say at this point, but it is interesting to see the company sort of going in three different directions at once with the commuter, the the folding fat tire kind of all terrain. And then this weird sort of Sauron style trail bike that mixes electric bike parts and off-road parts. What do you think of sort of the diversity of bikes here, Seth?
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that um take. Uh you know, both both of the um first two bikes we looked at are, you know, typical coming out of uh sorry about that. Um coming out of uh Asia, I think the um the Saran style I maybe Ceron's a little bit of a stretch there but um that that bike is certainly interesting uh you know for those watching we're um, looking at it on the screen um, it is a 20 inch wheel bike um, but it has a interesting uh, um and the increased power is nice but it's not I wouldn't put it in the same league as sir it's about a, a third or a fourth of the power um so it's it looks a little bit like the ceran but i don't think it's going to handle like the Suron. and i imagine that the price which i would guess probably somewhere between 1500 and 1000 uh will be indicative of the fact that it's not gonna you know it's not going to be a off roader this is going to be more like a you know a 20 25 mile per hour fun bike um that can probably go on dirt a little but I don't think it's gonna be a, a real off roader.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean it's very much a uh, you know, sir on an appearance only kind of thing. I think I described it as like a trail bike that got dressed in the dark in the uh yep. post there.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's a pretty good description. All right. Uh so moving on. Uh, something a brand that we have heard of a lot lately. Electric e-bikes reveals the specs and shocking low price on its new electric trike.
0: The price here will lead. We'll lead with that because that's really the story. The price on the electric XP trike is fourteen ninety nine. So fifteen hundred dollars for an electric trike. That's one of the cheapest prices I've seen anywhere in the industry for an electric trike. Save maybe. Walmart, which I think has like a sub thousand dollar electric trike, which is really? just like totally garbage. I mean, it okay. looks like a disposable trike, so I'm not well, recommending say, the Walmart. Walmart so. Yeah. So, uh, sorry to be redundant there. Okay. Um, but this is interesting because not only is it super affordable, which is kind of like electrics uh, bread and butter here, but it's actually comes with a good number of nice components. I mean, we've got hydraulic brakes there. We've got an interesting motor setup. So it's a fairly powerful uh, 500 watt continuous, but thousand watt peak rated motor, but it's it's actually mounted in the back on a jack shaft, almost like a mid drive setup. And so it drives both of the two rear wheels instead of like most strikes, which use a front hub motor and can have traction issues because of that. So you get two wheel rear drive in the back through a differential axle. So it's not just like a solid axle in the back. You actually can spin the two wheels at different speeds when you're going around corners or, um, you know, you're in looser terrain. That's going to be an advantage. And it's also a folder. So not only does it fold at the handlebars, but it also folds in the center of the bike. So that allows you to get it into a more compact space. Uh, maybe if you have like a, you know, smaller SUV or a crossover where you don't have as much space in the back, you could still probably fold it and fit it in the back there. Um, there are some downsides here, too, though. Uh, compared to some of the nicer trikes out there, like the rad trike, this one doesn't seem to be as sort of designed from the ground up to be a trike. It looks like this is sort of one of those, uh, trike conversion kits on the rear. As you can see the, uh, chain stay and the seat stay on the back of the bike there, they go down into the center of that, uh, trike rear end. And so it's, it's sort of like a folding bike was taken as the front end of the bike and combined with a trike's rear and it doesn't create as low of a trike. You can see the cargo basket is a bit higher. Um, also, the wheels are a little bit bigger than some of the, the smaller wheeled trikes, like the rad trike, which has 18-inch wheels. Here, we've got 20-inch wheels. So we've got our center of gravity just you know a tiny bit higher. Um, and also, I'm not sure how wide the rear is, but it doesn't look as wide as like I was just riding the rad trike. It's probably not quite as wide as that bike, so I'm not sure how stable this one's going to feel. Um, there are a few other features they've added since this picture, the section, the teaser picture. So now it has a parking brake and an option for one of those tricycle style seats with the backrest. So it is getting closer to some of the more conventional trikes we've seen with those features, but it's, I mean, the main story here is really just the price. Now, is it as good as these other trikes that are out there? It's hard to say without testing it yet or even seeing it in the flesh, but you, I mean, you can't ignore the fact that this is priced to basically you know, take over the the budget trike market for all those folks out there that, you know, have it's been a few years since they've been on a bike. Uh, maybe they don't have the same leg leg strength or mobility or balance to ride a bike anymore, but they want to be out there pedaling and riding around. This is the kind of vehicle they're looking for. But not everyone can afford a, you know, two, three, four thousand dollar electric trike. So for fifteen hundred bucks, I think this could really shake up the market as long as it's you know as good as it looks.
1: I agree. Uh, you know, the price is obviously just world uh, competitors, um, and and I have to say, the timing with uh, Rad Strike coming out uh, just a month or so ago, um, that is kind of surprising. Um, it almost feels like they were waiting uh, for Rad to reveal their price before uh, or the, their bike and their price before you know, dropping this thing. Um, you know, I hadn't looked at, um, the stuff that you mentioned previously and I kind of actually wonder why they didn't go with the front hub motor. Um, you know, those are obviously a lot more similar. Um, it, uh, you know, electric obviously has a bunch of hub motor experience. They just started their, their mid drive stuff. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be one of those things where we really have to test this thing out to see what it's like. The 20 inch wheels aren't a huge downer. I mean, I guess it drops the center of gravity about an inch. Um, if you go down to 18 inch, like uh, a rad does, which I actually really like, I think that that was a smart move. Um, you know, with low center of gravity, low, uh, you know, step over height, those kind of things are important in the trike world. So, um, yeah, I guess we got to get on one of these things and see what it feels like. Um, and, and I'm assuming you're going to be doing that soon?
0: Yeah, hopefully I'll be testing this one out soon. I've already been on the rad trike and that one. I mean, I was just blown away by how stable it was. Other mm-hmm. trikes felt really tippy to me, you know, especially when you take sharp turns. But that one, it's like I really had to try and get the outer wheel to, to lift up on a turn by, like, throwing my weight. So, you know, if I was just an older person that was riding around leisurely, It would be very difficult for me to, you know, make it tip over. But this one, hopefully, you know, it's it's as stable. But like you said, you know, until we can try it out, we're really just looking at pictures here.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, I have to say, I think Rad did make a a good move in making in using those much smaller wheels. That lower center of gravity is a big deal when you're uh, when you're on three wheels and you're making those turns. Um, but at the same time, you know, we've been talking about a uh, trike for my mother-in-law and, you know, we got her a, um, a an acoustic one and I don't think it's been, <laughs> I don't think it's been taken out of the box yet, or if it has, it hasn't really gone much further than that. So um, I, I wonder if like, I keep thinking like, is this the right thing? Is this going to help uh, get them out there on the, on the streets? Um, or maybe you know i don't know i don't know what her situation is uh you know comfort wise if she's just you know beyond uh, bikes um so it'll be interesting to see what happens there for sure
0: um, yeah absolutely uh, i mean my mom just had knee surgery and so um a trike is part of or an electric trike as part of her recovery you know she obviously doesn't have the the leg strength to be able to support a big bike right now while she's recovering but with a tricycle you know she can sit there and still be mobile still be out there and you know once her, her knees feeling better slowly start pedaling and, and getting that fitness in
1: yeah i mean when you think about it these things like if you know if you keep the speed down and you know they're kind of like not too far away from those scooters that people ride around walmart and we're being rough on walmart today but the uh you know those <laughs> the scooters like if you're not uh you're, maybe you're a little overweight or whatever uh you get those scooters in the front and you go shopping or you know there's just those mobility things around a trike. Isn't that different from those things? Uh, you know, it obviously has pedals and it, you know, different seat I, idea. And I think the rat, the rad one has a uh, seat back as well. I'm sure that won't be a hard upgrade on this one, but you know, like as we age, like, I wonder if that's, this is the new thing. Like before you go to, you know, full golf, what do you call those things? Scooters?
0: uh like mobility scooter rascal scooters those kinds of things oh yeah
1: like mobility rascal scooters like this is the last stop i guess um <laughs> before you hit it hit one of those and it's really not that much different like it like you know with a throttle and you know you're kind of you're kind of just on on you know so hopefully you can you know people who are th- thinking hey i'm not super mobile right now i like to go places maybe the, blue you know otherwise think about like a rascal scooter
0: yeah and this would be a lot more fun than a rascal scooter i think
1: i agree higher tops and i think it's a little bit cooler than a rascal not that trikes are the sweet spot in the coolness uh <laughs> hold irony, your tongue but... sir <laughs> <laughs> uh you know, try to be i would try to be you know open minded here. All right. Here's something in the coolness factor. Uh, that is a little higher. Honda launches $885 eCub electric moped. I like this, but it's not what we hope for. What's going on here?
0: Yeah, so you know, for years we've been hoping that Honda would electrify their Honda Cub or their Honda Super Cub. Um, I'm sure most people are familiar with this. Even if you don't know it by name, you've seen these uh, retro Honda uh, motorized, uh, some people call them motor scooters, some call them motorcycles, but this is effectively the the best-selling motor vehicle in the world. Honda sold over 100 million of its uh, Cub line of motorcycles. And so um, we've been waiting, waiting, waiting. They've shown, you know, designs, sketches, concepts for an electric Cub, and they finally revealed one with the Cub name. But unfortunately, there's there's a couple sort of catches here. One, it doesn't look nearly as cool as the original retro Cubs. It's kind of a modernized slimmed down version. And two, it's designed only for the Chinese domestic market, which means that it's super low spec. It's got a top speed of 25 kilometers per hour, which is 15 and a half miles per hour. And it has pedals so it can fit into electric bicycle laws. So it's not it's not really like a true homage to the original Honda Cub, even though it's got a similar style form factor. What it really is, is a uh, Chinese electric bicycle that fits into their um, very strict regulations that allows people to ride, you know, without a license, without registration, insurance, that sort of thing. So we're excited to see that Honda's at least moving that direction, and maybe this is a good way to test the water, try out the, you know, the, the name, the design, et cetera. And then maybe they'll be moving this to international markets with higher performance, but At this point you know there's no indication of that but what's interesting is they didn't just roll out the cub they actually rolled out two other models that are based on two other classic honda designs so there's also the dax e which is based on sort of the honda trail bikes like if you remember the trail 70 or 90 it was kind of like this off-road looking motorcycle thing and so um, this gives us that sort of off-road motorcycle but for the urban customer Again, though, you know, limited uh, 25 kilometers per hour, 15 and a half miles per hour uh, with functional pedals. So this isn't a motorcycle like the original. This is an electric bicycle. And the third model is based on the Honda Ruckus, which a lot of people have probably seen. It's another one of these uh, Honda motorcycles that's uh, got this sort of uh, tubular um, simplified frame, looks a little more ruggedized. Um, but again, you know, electric bicycle. 15 and a half miles an hour. So cool to see this, Honda taking its motorcycles and electrifying them. But unfortunately, you know, not quite what we were hoping for in the performance department.
1: This one's called the zoomer, right? the, the ruckus. Yeah. Okay.
0: Exactly. Um, it's based on the ruckus, but it's, uh, the electric one here is the zoomer.
1: That's funny. It's a funny name because, you know, we call boomers, uh, zoomers, but, um, <laughs> so everything seems like amazing on here. Like, uh, you know design the idea do we know like how much power these things have like uh you know are these just governed maybe they can
0: yeah they're they're almost certainly labeled as 250 watts but um you know if you look at these motors these look like you know 800,000 watt motors so i'm sure that if Honda wanted they could unlock these things for more power and speed but for the chinese market they can't do that
1: right well that's interesting i mean maybe
0: oh, i think i lost you there for a second seth
1: oh sorry about that um you know i was just, I was just wondering if uh, these hit you know like aliexpress or something uh maybe yeah. we'll see see a couple in the u.s
0: yeah i mean it, it makes sense for honda to start exporting these they they often begin in china i mean it's a huge market it's just 20 of the world lives in china so you can get a lot of people with you know one design but you know, Europe, the US, uh, you know, there's a lot of other people that like these classic Honda designs. So, you know, we we still have our fingers crossed that that these things are going to go international, but I wouldn't expect to see it in the next six months. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, that's and that's unfortunate, because I feel like these could be quite popular, uh, both in Europe and in the US. Um, Absolutely. So, uh, you know, just to drill down a little bit on the the DAX one here, is that a removable battery right there?
0: It's unclear. It certainly looks like it, but they haven't given us uh, a lot of information. We don't even know what the the capacity, the style, the cells. We don't really know a lot of the battery specs yet. Um, These were just unveiled a few days ago. And uh, so really we're limited to pricing information and Mm -hmm. design specs at this point which, by the way, those prices, I don't think we covered, but they're around 880 to $900 in China. You know, obviously, if this thing was exported, it'd be three times the price at minimum.
1: Right, but if maybe if Honda brought those over, they took off the um, governor, you know, we could say like 750 with a, you know, with a maximum over a 1,000 uh, watts power. I feel like this could be a very popular thing. I mean, keep those fake pedals on there so that, um, you know, you can ride them on the streets legally. I don't know. I kind of feel, feels like it could be very popular. I know, uh, Niu um, has a similar product, uh, that they do sell in the U S and Canada. Yeah.
0: What, exactly. what is that? Called? The, um, the BQI electric bicycle, I think That's right. the U shaped one.
1: Yeah. And those are quite popular in some places I, we saw them like all over the place in Montreal. Um, know I was recently <clears throat> excuse me i was recently in um uh, their new york flagship store and uh they were you know they were a lot of people interested in that so good to yeah see. i was
0: actually riding one this morning uh, i was like rushing to get back in time for the podcast on that bike <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh well we didn't start the podcast on time so that's a, that's a strike <laughs> against it no i was mostly my uh, microphone so but anyway um <laughs> We'll move on here. Moving on to Daredevil Engineer crushes speed record for fastest electric skateboard.
0: This is crazy. Like, I I get the cold sweats just thinking about this. This guy took a custom-built electric skateboard up to over 82 miles an hour. And it's... not. Not only did he build this thing, but... He actually started a company to sell electric skateboards. So he created this ultra fast electric skateboard, like just crushed the record. I think the previous record was like 65 miles an hour or something. So he just like obliterated it at I think 82 and a half miles per hour. And now he's got this company that actually sells the skateboards he builds. There's uh, two models. One is a little more like normal. It goes like 30 miles an hour, but he actually sells one based on the uh, motors and special trucks that he designed that goes 80 miles an hour. So not fast enough that you could take the record from him. He's still got that couple mile an hour over you. But it's, I mean, I, I as an engineer myself, I think it's awesome that this exists, but I wonder how responsible it is to sell an 80 mile an hour electric skateboard to the public. You know, like I just, you, you can see in the picture here for anyone who's watching the podcast with us that the guy is just, you know, head to toe in motorcycle crash gear. You know, he's, he's wearing a full face helmet, um, leather racing suit. I mean that's what you need to do this and even then uh, I don't know that I would go half this speed on the uh, yeah. on electric skateboard.
1: Yeah, I I had trouble with the um we, we had a short board from uh boosted RIP to boosted but um I can't imagine these things going 40 80. It's crazy. I mean the speed wobbles alone like I can't even just you would just have to just jump off of it and just like slide on the ground. That's I, I imagine that's what you do at eighty miles per hour.
0: Tuck and roll, tuck and roll. Right. Actually, he right. um, he had to like account for those speed wobbles. He actually designed his own custom trucks to try and mitigate that issue. Um, for anyone who's not familiar, speed wobbles it uh, it happens on various vehicles, but it's like very um known to the skateboarding community because you get these oscillations that if you don't correct them right away they just start getting bigger and bigger and you go back and forth until yeah and it's a it's a runaway condition that doesn't end well usually you getting separated from the board
1: no it does not
0: um
1: it's funny um there's also this thing uh in in piloting planes where you're landing and it's called porpoising where uh you kind of over adjust Uh, your plane, and then you over adjust again, and then it just kind of just amplifies. And and what you do at that point is you do not try to land, you just pull out and, you know, go around. But um, it's funny, it's just another, another area where the the amplification of a a sine wave is, is uh, deadly. All right, Uh, moving on. Uh, Verge opens US borders for its hubbles, hubless, electric motorcycle with 25 minute charging
0: I've been following the verge TS electric motorcycle since I think it was like 2018 when they first unveiled the concept and I'm in love with this thing it's I mean the whole like innovation here is the rear wheel the rear wheel is the motor but it's not a hub motor because it's a hubless wheel you can you know look right through the center of the wheel you probably got like a 12 inch diameter empty circle there kind of like a Tron cycle So the motor is actually in the rim of the wheel where they've got the copper and the magnets and it creates this incredibly torquey motor. It's 1200 Newton meters of torque, which is like, I mean, I think you could like pull a stump out of the ground with this thing with with that much (laughs) torque. Like it's, it's crazy. And it also has a zero to 60 time in this new version here of, I think two and a half seconds, which is like mind numbing. I've done zero to 60 in three seconds on a uh, Harley Davidson live wire, but two and a half seconds. Like I just can't imagine what that must feel like. It's I mean, it's just like rubber melting torque.
1: Yeah. Uh, I agree. I, and these were the ones we saw at um, CES, right?
0: Uh, they Yeah, they were at CES.
1: Yeah. So uh, they're showing their bikes. They're, I, they're making these things and uh, I don't know if they have, like the actual release, like when people are going to be able to get their deliveries. But, um, you know, the hubless, we've seen the, the wheels with the servo, you know, in the middle of it quite a few times, but I don't think we've ever seen an actual production vehicle with this. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there.
0: Yeah, they're, um, if they're not already in production, I, I think they are actually they um I think they're doing production in Estonia because they're based in Finland, but Estonia mm-hmm. is like, a ferry ride away, I guess. So um, it's probably yeah, to do production there. Um, but I think they're already in production, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, now, these are not cheap bikes. The there, I believe three levels, the entry level bike is something around like 25,000 bucks, but they go up to about 45,000 for this ultra version, which is the zero to 60 and two and a half seconds. Um, but, you know, even besides just like the mind crushing performance there, Um, They're actually quite nice bikes. I mean, they've got a a pretty nice design. They're one of the few almost cruiser-ish type bikes. They've got fairly far forward foot pegs there. And they also have DC fast charging, so you can get these things charged up in like 25 minutes, which is uh, you know a a really nice feature for those that want to go touring on their bikes and aren't just using them as like a commuter vehicle like a lot of people think of electric motorcycles.
1: Yeah, I noticed that, Um, and that's great. I think Harley's got it, but not much else.
0: Yeah. It's really nice to see it start expanding, uh, within the electric motorcycle space. I know zero has been like pushing back for years and still hasn't implemented DC fast charging. So, uh, at some point they're going to come out with it and, you know, they'll make it seem like, you know, such a big innovation, but you know, we can see it here, everything from new startups, like uh, verge to established companies like Energica have DC fast charging.
1: Yeah, it actually makes sense because uh, you know when when you're getting power from AC, which is obviously more prevalent around um, the uh, every on the motorcycle, like a you know, an inverter or rectifier or whatever. So you know having the you need you need a small AC charger for when you plug in, obviously um, at most places. But to to be able to get a fast charge from a DC charger. Uh, requires a lot less equipment you really just need a like a dc to dc converter and probably some you know electronics to to keep that uh flow stable but um dc charging is actually easier it's just less prevalent um you know in in charging stops
0: yeah absolutely i'm very excited for that one though can't wait to try that out at some point
1: yeah so when are you going to uh finland or estonia
0: I've been talking to Spencer for like years about somewhere we can meet to get on one of these bikes. It'll happen one day, but it's it's not on the calendar yet. Okay.
1: All right, we'll look forward to that. Um moving on, this country plans to give free electric motorcycles to all current motorcycle riders.
0: I'm not going to bury the lead too much here. The country is Uganda, and they've got an interesting uh program here that they just revealed at the beginning of the year. So if you're not familiar with boda bodas, they're uh, motorcycle taxis. So the way, you know, we might call an Uber in much of Africa, they use motorcycle taxis to get around because it, you know, beats the traffic. It's more convenient. It's cheaper. Um, and especially on, uh, you know, rough roads, they've got these big wheels and, and it's a, an easier way to get around. The problem is a lot of these are older, um, both four-stroke and two-stroke um, ice engine Uh, motorcycles so you know incredibly polluting vehicles and there's a big push in africa to basically electrify these boda bodas in addition to consumer motorcycles so uh uganda has announced that they're actually going to give out in exchange for people turning in their gas-powered motorcycles they're going to give out electric motorcycles and it's going to be uh, nationwide anyone who has a a gas-powered motorcycle including all of these boda bodas that use them for commercial use which is really probably the biggest contributor to motorcycle emissions in the country. Um, These are locally made uh, electric motorcycles. There are a few companies that make these around Uganda, Kenya, uh, some of these areas that have really high motorcycle use. And the program is actually funded by investors that it, it seems like the investors are made up of uh, companies involved in the battery swap and charging space. So essentially, they're giving out these motorcycles and they're hoping to reap the rewards on the the battery swap side. So, you know, across uh, Uganda there, especially around the capital, there are a number of battery swap stations. They don't look quite like what, you know, we think of battery swap stations in the West. Um, or if you've seen like GoBros battery swap stations, these are more like um, sort of manual service stations where they've got a bunch of batteries plugged into the wall and these uh, motorcycle uh, riders will pull up they'll take out their battery and someone will take it from them and give them a, a Freshly charged battery and then they'll plug theirs in so they've got this like, you know circulating uh, Room full of uh, batteries to keep them all charged up as these uh, motorcycle taxi riders pull in throughout the day These these are not long-range motorcycles. They're about uh, 70 kilometers or 43 miles So, you know, it's not a big bike. It's not a big battery either because you have to be able to carry it It's about the size of a briefcase But if you're able to swap all day then you know that's fine because you've just gone around the city 70 kilometers might buy you you know a few hours of riding around at city speeds then you come in and swap so it's really cool to see that this is a countrywide program and it's not just that they're trying to make these you know cheaper or incentivize people to buy them they're actually saying like get rid of your gas motorcycle here's something better and you know hopefully it's a program that that does pay for itself and does work because if the economics work out, then it could be an interesting model for other countries as well. What do you think, Seth?
1: Well, I would note that um, that there are well, there were. I don't know if there still are in like Thailand and Indonesia and other places like Southeast Asia. Uh, motorcycle taxis, so that could probably really take off. Um, and then these these batteries, uh, they are lithium, right? They're not uh, lead acid,
0: right? They are lithium.
1: Yeah, so that makes a lot of sense. Um like the swap station here, obviously um, um you know gets the job done. Uh it seems like getting getting uh the stinky gas guzzlers off the off the street, putting these around, more people see them. Maybe they'll you know buy them for recreational use as well. Um other other countries can kind of take a uh, some notes from this one. I like it. Good for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would love to try one of these. If I ever get a chance to go to Uganda, I want to try one of these domestically produced electric motorcycles. Yeah, cool. Uh,
1: Mercury unveils a 100% electric outboard boat motor with easy swap batteries.
0: Yeah, so this is like a double whammy here, because the next story actually uses this motor. But this was a really cool innovation from Mercury, which is obviously a big... Uh, name in the marine space so there's um uh you know tons of mercury gas outboards out there but this new model is called the avator or avator 7.5 e is an all-in-one electric outboard and battery solution so it's got the motor in there but you flip up the top of that outboard and there are one kilowatt hour removable batteries so you just pop those suckers in there. They buy you about 45 minutes of runtime, which is not a lot, but this is not meant for big boats. You know, this is meant for you know, tooling around on a smaller boat and you could just carry a few batteries with you. The way a lot of boaters will have a little red gas can in their boat to, you know, refill fuel as they're out. You would just bring a similarly sized spare battery or two, keep them in the boat and you pop them in when you need, um, you know, more, more range. Now that 45 minutes is at full throttle. So, which is nice to see them give like the sort of worst range as the range rating. If you throttle back and you're not, you know, using as much power, you can obviously stretch that out. But for an electric outboard, I mean, it's, it's pretty nice looking. It's, it's only 750 Watts, but they claim that it's of similar performance to their three and a half horsepower gas powered motors, which makes sense because we often see this in electric boats that, um, When you have that higher torque and higher performance of an electric motor, it actually has similar performance to a a much more powerful gas engine that just can't develop that low end torque the same way, which is obviously quite important for, um, you know, when you're moving all that heavy water out of the way, which is uh, a lot trickier for an electric motor in the water than on land in a car. Uh, another interesting thing about this motor is that it's designed to be fully removable as one unit. So, you know, if you beach your boat somewhere, you go into a restaurant and you just go hang out on the beach. If you don't want someone yanking your presumably very expensive all-in-one outboard, you literally just, you know, unscrew it from the transom of your boat and you can carry it in with you. It weighs about 45 pounds or so, so it's not super lightweight but it's manageable to, to carry it around with you, which is kind of a neat little innovation there. You're not going to be doing that with a gas-powered engine.
1: Yeah, and maybe you have like uh, three or four boats, and you, instead of buying three or four motors, you could just pop this on whatever one you're, uh, you're using, I guess.
0: Yeah, this is, a, this is a pretty neat innovation. And the cool thing is it's not like we're going to have to wait a long time to see this come out. There's already uh, an electric boat that's uh, using this motor. So if we pop over to the next story, We'll see that veer it's uh actually just released a boat using this now veer is a new boat company it's uh produced by the parent company of mercury uh brunwick i believe so um you know it's like a little bit incestuous of parts here but uh, it's cool to see them sort of like already using their own components here and launching a new brand based on this now veer they do have a gas version of this as well it's not a totally electric company But we're just going to ignore the gas version of this boat for now because it's not as interesting to us. It's the electric version here, which is really cool. This is a, um, I think it's a polyethylene, if I'm not mistaken. It's basically a plastic boat. So, you know, it's not fiberglass. um, It's not aluminum. It's going to be a much more uh, cost-effective way to produce a boat. It's actually made the same way they make kayaks. It's called roto-molding, where they, like, you know, heat this stuff up and put it in a mold and spin it around. And you get this, um, you know, large... Uh, hollow shaped plastic object in this case a boat and that Uh, allows them to produce these you know really cost effectively so we don't have a price for the electric one yet the gas version with the three and a half power uh actually i think it's a nine horsepower um mercury motor on it costs i want to say 11 or twelve thousand dollars, and that includes the trailer that it comes with because these are designed for new boat owners, people who want to get into boating. So they make it really easy. It's like a entire package, the boat and the trailer. And the whole thing weighs like, I want to say seven, 800 pounds with the trailer. So you could pull this with like, you know, a small car or even a sedan. You don't need like a big truck because it's obviously, you know, a smaller boat. I think it's like 13 feet or so. So it's uh, it's a really cool way to take this new motor And put it into a setup that's designed for boaters that might not you know come from the industry they're new boaters and they want a simple a quiet a uh, cost effective and a non-polluting way to get around and of course you know in my opinion it's it's just more fun because you don't hear that motor you don't smell the fumes that sort of thing you just kind of enjoy being out on the water on an electric boat that's that's my take on it so i think it's pretty cool
1: yeah and so do we I mean, I know we have the price of the gas uh, motor boat. Do we? Do we know the price of the motor by itself?
0: Unfortunately, we don't yet. So they announced all the specs and everything, but they didn't tell us the price. So it's you know it worries me a little bit because yeah. maybe this is going to turn out to be crazy expensive. I'm hoping not. And based on the low cost of the gas powered version, especially considering the gas powered version comes with a you know fairly larger uh, nine or ten horsepower engine, I'm hoping mm-hmm. they'll still keep this thing pretty cheap. You know, if this, if the gas one was like 11 or 12,000, if this could be like 15,000 or less, I think that would be pretty powerful compared to, you know, the, I think the cheapest, uh, other electric boats we've covered are like, you know, a hundred, $130,000. And then you get up into the like really nice $300,000 boats. So this would very much be a every man's electric boat.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, we know that it's a, a, a 750 watt continuous motor up to a, a kilowatt of peak power do we know like the specs on the battery um you know is it 72 volt or what's going on there
0: i i'm pretty sure it's 48 volt it's a thousand watt hours yeah so it's um i mean if you if you're familiar with electric bicycles which i guess if you're watching this podcast you almost certainly are uh, um this is basically the size of a fairly large electric bicycle battery like um you know, we were talking about the juiced, uh, hyper scorpion, hyper scrambler a lot. Those are one kilowatt hour batteries. So imagine a juiced battery just popping down inside of one of these things. And that's basically what you got.
1: Well, that's interesting because like, theoretically you could buy a few extra batteries for the the longer boat trips or whatever. And then 48 volts that is the same voltage as a lot of solar panels. So maybe, uh, you know, they, they sell a canopy for this thing that you know, it has a couple big solar panels on it, that would be kind of nice. I feel like yeah, there's an abs- opportunity abs- there. I don't I don't know if they're they're thinking that way. Um, but you know this this little thing with a little canopy might be pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Well that's the beauty of lower powered uh, electric boats is that if they're not you know using tons of power, these like 10, 20, 40 kilowatt motors, they're using only a little bit of power, you can actually recharge them from solar panels pretty effectively. You know, this thing is 750 watts, probably pulls more like 1000 watts continuous. So if you had 500 watts of solar panels up there, which would be not even a big canopy, you could get almost as much power into the motor as it's using. And if you're, you know, tooling around at like half power, you might be using the same amount of power that you're getting out of those panels, meaning you basically have infinite range throughout the day. And if you have one spare battery, you could certainly go, you know, all day on this little electric boat which people often think like oh an electric boat it's not going to have good range well if you add in solar to a small you know low power motor you might have better range than similarly sized gas powered boats
1: yeah and uh that begs the question how is your uh, little solar powered boat going
0: so it's uh well it's not solar powered yet that's the next project is to make it solar powered but i actually got it out uh last week i uncrated it and we were testing around in my parents uh pond it actually is pretty awesome now it's super low power it's like uh i mean maybe it goes at like i don't know three miles an hour with like a bit of a tailwind so it's really meant as like a lake boat my, my plan was to bring it to a local river and test it out there but i think it would be dangerous like it would get swept away so in, until I upgrade the motor, it's not going in any moving body of water. But for a so lake, that, it's super fun.
1: So, what is the power of the motor? Like, what gets it's, you to three miles per hour?
0: Yeah, it's listed as five hundred watts. It seems to to pull seven hundred and fifty watts peak. Based on, uh, it's got a thirty amp controller and it's twenty four volts.
1: Okay, so those are e bike uh, specs that we we all can kind of digest. So this would only yeah. be double that hour though you know we're talking about five mile per hour boat under this veer thing so uh that you know set, you said you got to set your expectations i guess five miles per hour isn't bad though for a, a little dingy boat.
0: yeah but also this veer it's got a different hole It'd probably be faster because it's got a, a v hole and it's like a longer more narrow bolt boat my boat is like kind of a uh, a barge shape you could say <laughs> so it's not really optimized for for anything other than floating
1: i guess uh you know uh the uh coefficient of drag in water is even more pronounced so uh you know what could go 20 miles per hour through the air without much drag probably it's probably closer to two or three miles per hour in a boat so that's yeah that's interesting to think about
0: it's tough fighting all that water. Also mine, the propeller is hanging like probably 20% up in the air um, when you only have a couple people in the boat. I think it needs three people in the back to kind of keep the propeller down in the water. There, there are a lot of inefficiencies in mine.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait for that video. And uh, speaking of videos, I love this one. Um, I went to Norway to see an electric vehicle paradise, but I found something more surprising.
0: Yeah, so you might be wondering why we're talking about Norway on this podcast, since this is like an e-bike and light electric vehicle podcast. But I went to Norway. I expected to see this electric car utopia that everyone talks about. And I was like, all right, this would be cool. I'll see a bunch of Tesla's driving around. But what I discovered is, yeah, it's like, you know, 80% electric cars over there. But Norway is in this process of transitioning away from personal vehicle ownership, especially in the cities, towards a more um, you know, biking, walking, public transportation type model. So, you know, when when we were up in the northern part of the country, we still saw, you know, lots of uh, personal vehicles, still mostly electric vehicles, though. But once you get into Oslo, it's like, you know, people have those vehicles, but the public transportation is incredible. This was in late December, there were people riding bikes around, people riding scooters around, There's, uh, you know, rental electric scooters everywhere. And even though there's like, you know, a half inch of ice on the sidewalks, people are just riding those things around. Like that's a totally normal thing to do (laughs) in the winter on a scooter. And, you know, this isn't just a, a cultural thing. It's been adopted as policy by the government. So where Norway started with these big electric vehicle incentives, even, you know, like 20 or more years ago, being on the, you know, the leading edge of that. Now they're starting to roll back those electric vehicle incentives. It's still much more expensive to buy a gas vehicle. You know, they're still incentivizing electric over gas powered vehicles, but they're not incentivizing people buying vehicles anymore. What they're trying to do is trying to get people out of those vehicles and trying to return cities to this idea of, you know, we talk about walkable cities a lot. And that's that's kind of the point that they want Oslo to be. A city that that returns to its citizens that you can walk around that you can take bikes and and scooters and feel safe that uh you know there are streets that are closed off to vehicles in oslo like we're starting to see in in more and more european cities so that there's these pedestrian only areas Uh, some of them are at certain times of the day so you know there's this compromise that has to go on as as they sort of move away from from private vehicles but it's all moving in the right direction. It's, it's interesting to see because, you know, we often look to Norway as sort of the ideal for sustainable transportation, if they led so early in the wave of electric vehicle adoption, then maybe they've got something figured out. Well, now, you know, we we should look to them again, in my opinion, because they're sort of post, not just post electric vehicle, they're like post vehicle, where they realize that the true sustainable transportation future isn't everyone having an electric car, it's everyone using even Lower energy forms of getting around.
1: Yeah, uh, I that's that was my big take. Like, all right, so we know Norway is the future. Uh, we know that the you know they got on the electric vehicle, train, uh, no pun intended. Uh, a few, <laughs> you know, five ten years before, even like California or China, or, so they're they're ahead of the game. So they can kind of show us, hey, what's next after electric vehicles and you know you love to see it like it seems like a little bit of a utopia there like they have great public transportation they have um tons of just you know different ways to get around um even with their harsh winters um they don't seem to have a problem you know building infrastructure we're looking at light rail here uh something great for a city um you know there there are a few vehicles still running around but those vehicles are mostly electric so, you know, and, 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 you know, of course, Norway is always the like, well, you know, electric vehicles are great in the summer, but what about the winter, you know, or, you know, what about, what about, you know, you're not going to ride your e bike around when it's cold. Like, I mean, frankly, like, I, I ride my bike a lot less in the cold, but, um, you know, like, this is that, this is absolutely, you know, kind of inspiring. And if you want to look at what the future is going to be like in California or the future is going to be like in New York City, maybe or maybe hopefully uh, it looks a lot more like Norway. So that that was really inspiring. If you do have a question or comment, uh, you have a few minutes to throw it in in YouTube and uh, we'll try to answer it by the end of the show. But um, we have a few already. Let's see comments. Uh, Tyler Donahoe, I haven't seen an Arsoned product since the thousands. That's crazy. Um, well, you know, I think the the brand has been in uh, in somebody's uh, bankruptcy filings for a little while. So uh, it's good to see it back out there doing some work uh, in the electric vehicle world. So we'll be for it. Um, then he says, I've been watching these podcasts for a while and there may be some, some minute differences, but I swear these companies are just distributors for one single big manufacturer. Uh, what do you think about that? I think China is one big manufacturer, if that's what you mean, but, uh, maybe you can elaborate.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not exactly, but you're not that far off. I I think a bigger part of it is that there's only so many component manufacturers and so what a lot of these e-bikes are they're sort of assembled a la carte from you know this motor, this frame this fork and when you only have a certain number of options you start to see what looks like you know repeats over and over again some of them are you know produced by white label companies so they're literally identical with different stickers on them but a lot of them are just produced with very similar components and they're also produced to look like already successful products so some company comes out with a 20 inch fat tire folder and it sells well, then you know there's going to be another dozen companies behind them making similar-looking products.
1: That's a great point. Um, I know we've seen uh, a lot of copycat bikes coming out, and we don't know if they're coming out of the same factory. But, yeah, let's just do that. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it's still up for debate. Russell Zoner says uh, we need more, more products like the Orange AD3 or the Bowhead. Do you know what those are?
0: So I think this was during the Honda story, but um, I'm not familiar with these particular vehicles. My, my Honda knowledge is, is somewhat limited, especially on the older gas-powered models. So you'll have to update me and, uh, and let me know what those are, Russell.
1: All right, Tyler's back. Uh, does Honda even have an in-house development team for electric motorcycles, or are these just made with another company's components?
0: I don't think Honda would be outsourcing these. I mean, they're, they did do a collaboration with um, a company called Muji for something that looks very similar to that ecub. But I mean, it's such a massive company that like it would, it would be, I think, inefficient for them to outsource these things because they already have such, you know, impressive design chops.
1: Muji, the, the like Japanese retail thing or a different Muji?
0: I think so. Yeah.
1: Okay um moving on uh andy lee robinson says hmm a zoomer that doesn't zoom um somewhere down uh carl in san diego corrected me zoomers are not boomers zoomers are generation z uh mm. so that now that he says that i, I remember that um you know whatever like so, sorry <laughs> my knowledge of generations is this is great. You can tell me there. I, a Generation Z. I I, I lie the yeah, the Z and the Boomer. So not expert. Um, they need uh, Tyler says they need to be faster to be safe in the United States. That I agree with that. People drive fast here. They need to keep up. Um, you know, uh, I, I I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I feel much safer if I'm able to keep up with traffic. My town has tons of 30 mile per hour streets. If my bike goes 30 miles per hour, I feel much safer. Cars don't try to pass me get around me, all that stuff. Um, so I agree with that, but I you know, I don't, that's anecdotal. I don't have like uh, evidence or anything like that. What are your thoughts there?
0: Yeah, I'm in a similar camp to you. I mean, it's, it's very much where these things are being used. If you're sticking on like beach paths, then, 15 miles an hour is probably fine. But if you're doing real commuting um, on shared streets, then it it does feel dangerous to me to be doing 15 miles an hour. Um, I mean, even here in Florida, like when I'm on the side of a 40 mile an hour street doing 28, it feels dangerous.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Yeah. And, and, you know, the drivers, sometimes they see a bike, they don't look at their speedometer and they're like, oh, bike must pass. And (laughs) even if you're going the speed limit, they'll just zoom you know right around you uh and you know if another car is coming on and they have to slam over to you that that's not that's not their thing to con- be concerned about uh so uh k is talking about um when we were talking about honda they have some catching up to do to him um i agree like they they really should be uh, leading this charge and it's a shame that they're not then he follows up with uh better watch out for potholes i believe that's when we were in the skateboard area and uh yeah i think i think any kind of anything that would you know at 80 miles per hour on a skateboard um you're talking about pebbles like watch out for you know a a screw that came off of a a bike or something like anything is going to knock that thing out so uh moving on Tyler says, I can't wait for DC fast chargers to become more common. I agree. Um, You know, I think it's, and it's something, so I was just at CES and I saw a ton of, I would say 10 different companies. Some I've heard of, some I don't, but all bringing out new DC fast chargers. So I think that's something that is, the infrastructure is going to be there. Obviously the infrastructure or the, what is it? The uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which is, you know, Theoretically infrastructure, um, all those things are going to help uh, put DC infrastructure in. And then, of course, uh, electric motorcycles will be able to take advantage of that.
0: Um,
1: Absolutely. How, how, how is DC infrastructure in Israel? Is that something that uh, exists? or
0: It's a good question um, because I don't have anything that needs it. I'm not entirely sure. I know Israel's lagging a bit behind in in charge infrastructure. We've started to get a lot of interesting electric vehicle options. But like many countries, you know, the vehicles come first, and then they figure out how to charge them.
1: Right. Um, Kay also mentions that Uganda is putting that new gold they found to use that. I, I, I'm not aware is the is there gold in Uganda?
0: Is that something? I, I must have missed that memo. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, extra hero uh recognizes me from nine to five mac days how's it going <laughs> um let's see Ray living good says Mike is electric three mile per hour pond barge preview sounds tantalizing Mike yeah, I, I, mean, I, think you have, I think you have another Chinese uh each truck uh on your hands here
0: uh, i can't wait to write that one up uh be looking for that the next couple of weeks guys also that so pod barge is hilarious i love that <laughs> description ray and it gave me an idea for the name because i'm still trying to think of a good name for it what do you think of the charge barge
1: oh how about uh marge large charge barge? i don't
0: know yeah that's not just large charge <laughs> we're still working if you have a recommendation for the name guys let me know because I, I can't find something good yet
1: a uh, pond barge is pretty good, I have to say. Um, and and at three miles per hour, like I want to see a drag race with you and like somebody swimming. Like I want to see. Yeah, you... that, that would be good. <laughs> Just you know, like a, like a twenty five yard. I don't know how big your pond is, but like, I think that would be fun to fun to watch.
0: Yeah, it's like a hundred yards, so you could get a good uh, swimming race yeah. going.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're jumping from the uh, the side, maybe you get a little advantage there. <laughs> all right Andy lee robinson uh, is commenting on norway i ride my e-bike in negative 20 celsius very t- failing to the wind phase plus good clothes andy we need to see the uh the build there um i think you might you might be on to something because obviously the wind is a big uh, uh detractor in uh cold weather riding so what do you think have yeah. have you ever done anything i mean i know You're not really in cold weather climates but when you were in boston did you have any kind of uh cold weather uh tricks or secrets micah
0: my my trick was like put up with the pain i think um (laughs) yeah that was andy is a lot more industrious than i am i was just sort of like gritted my teeth and and went through it so i would love yeah hopefully hopefully
1: this winter ends soon and that's that's it yeah yeah I'm off to Israel in a year so all right uh EB188 options can work for areas with a level of uh population density not for a majority of the Earth's surface uh agree but like you know here out here in the suburbs bikes are fantastic especially electric bikes and and you know as electric bikes and motorcycles get faster and and you know the, the batteries get lighter and cheaper it starts making sense for further and further out um you know what do you what do you think i don't think your parents place is what i would call urban density
0: yeah absolutely i mean you are limited in some respects but also there's like a whole ecosystem of of two-wheeled vehicles you know it's not just like e-bikes or trucks you know there's this whole spectrum of vehicles that can fit many different types of uses types of areas different population densities so you know in the city you can get by with like a, a small electric bike or scooter, maybe for um, longer distances, you have something more like a surron style, larger, faster electric bike, or all the way up to full electric motorcycles. So I think there's a lot of options out there.
1: All right, here's an interesting uh, one for us. Uh, from Zubuntu 47, an electric bike shop salesperson, which we know already has a stereotype was trying to tell me that Rad Power Bikes just rebadges generic bikes of Alibaba and does little to no R&D. I was incredulous. What do you think, Micah?
0: No, that's that's absolutely incorrect. I mean, Rad Power Bikes, to their credit, really works on designing innovative models. And, and really, they're sort of imitated by everyone else at this point. You know, bikes like... Um, When they rolled out the Rad Runner, I mean, how many Rad Runner knockoffs did we see after that? And that wasn't something they just found a frame and built it. You know, they designed that Um, after they rolled out the Rad mission. I mean, that was, you know, not innovative the way the Rad Runner was. It was basically a, a single speed city bike, but we saw like almost exact knockoffs of that. Now the Rad Trike comes out and instantly other companies are trying to create cheaper versions. So I wouldn't agree with that at all. And I would have a bone to pick with that e bike salesperson.
1: All right, Andy Lee Robinson follows up. He's going. He's in Budapest. They're not so cold now, but he'll send some pics. All right, uh, tip at electric.co is our tip line. Uh, Andy, we look forward to seeing those. Maybe we'll make a post out of it. Um, Liberty Eight Academy. Most electricity is created using turbines, which use only air as fuel. Ships, trains, power generation, planes, etc., all powered by air. Uh, okay, I guess. Uh,
0: Moving I want to see the schematics on that. Yeah. I mean, it's,
1: it does make sense moving air like the, the you know, power generation, uh, planes need to, you know, power the turbines to push air, not, they're not powered by air. Um, so I, I don't know if I would be going to the, uh, Liberty aid, uh, academy, uh, for, for our, 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 uh, educational needs here um cases i ride my surron to work in chicago heated gloves help immensely well that's that's a sight to behold i bet um in chicago in the cold the surron blasting through the uh, snow what do you think yeah,
0: good snow tires i uh, i mean be, be safe out there that's snow and nice but yeah get the right tires and that would be a uh that would be a, a fun way to get around as long as you can stay warm enough
1: um extra hero one last comment did electric cover the coma tatamel e-bike from CES suitcase sized e-bike with a built-in TV 4,000 to be for street or you know, it's a test drive, a suitcase, uh, and weird. Uh, so maybe there's a a few, uh, suitcase e-bikes out there just, like we were just saying, like once you build a suitcase e-bike, everybody's building a suitcase e-bike. Uh, so we will look for that because that sounds quite interesting. And I that reminds me, I gotta put up that video of me riding around in the suitcase uh, e-bike. But uh, that's all the comments we have today.
0: Yeah, so um, tune in two weeks from now. We're hopefully we'll be discussing that video of Seth riding the suitcase <laughs> style uh, electric bike. But until then, thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we will see you on.